must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming, blaspheming the, the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really teach the loyal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor and yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you stand, uh, you stand and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives them freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Great. Thank you. Thank you. That's really good. Good reading. I would guess that every single person in this room at some point in time has been on the negative side, negative receiving end of favoritism, of prejudice, of someone else getting uh, privileges and advantages over you. Um, and you on the, the negative end of that, you feeling um, and rejected, passed over, uh, unfairly treated. Everyone, everyone in this room has probably experienced that at some point. Uh, and, and, and I'm no different. Um, and, and so what, what James is locking in on here. Is that as Christians, and there should be absolutely no favoritism. There should be absolutely no prejudice. There should be absolutely no treating certain people better than certain other people, um, giving certain people special preference uh, over others. When, when concerns, man, man, their, their their rights and how you treat them as human beings. Um, and, and we'll look at it in a minute, man. Man, it's perfectly natural. It's normal that we're going to prefer certain people to others. We're going to have best friends. We're going to have those people that uh, that we really connect with. Um, that we want to spend time with, and, and, and those kind of things. But as far as how we treat people, um, man, man it, it, it's wrong to treat people differently uh, because, well, I don't like them the same, I don't connect with them the same, or I think this, that, or the other about them. Uh, and that showing favoritism of any kind is injustice. And that, that gives way to, to, to prejudice, to discrimination, uh, to every form of injustice. Um, and that's what we're going to take a look at tonight. When I was in, when I was in college, uh, I was at the University of Tennessee. I was a janitor in the University Center bookstore at night. So I would go in uh, late afternoon, early evening when the bookstore was closing up, uh, and I would get, I would get my, my broom, my vacuum, my mop bucket, my, my spray, my spray bottle, my rags. Uh, and then from, yeah, for, for about four hours, me and a, a crew of, of, of other young guys would go around and clean, clean the bookstore uh, sweep the floor, vacuum the floor, mop the floor, wipe down everything, get everything clean for the next day. Uh, and so it was three or four of us guys, and then we reported to a much older lady named Lois. So when I say older lady, man, she had tiny, I would guess had to be in her 80s uh, lady, but man, she was strict and she was hardcore. Um, 
and, and, uh, and she had favorites. Uh, there, there's one guy that had been there, uh, I'm not sure when he got hired, he's there longer than I was, um, we're going to call him Ryan, uh, and, and, and she, she loved Ryan, this guy could do no wrong at all, uh, man, whatever he did was perfect, and it was good, and it was wonderful, uh, and, and I'm going to tell you guys now, I was not her favorite, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I, was, I was kind to her, I was nice to her, but uh, she didn't particularly like me. She pronounced my name, my name's Matt, and she pronounced my name like it had three syllables. Uh, she managed to drag, to drag it out, especially when she was angry. Uh, you know, my you know. Um, but she, but, but if, so, if something went wrong, if something wasn't done right, it was somehow, it was somehow my fault. It doesn't even matter if I didn't even touch it. Um, and if anything was good or praiseworthy, it was to Ryan's credit. You know, you, you guys have experienced that. You guys have had a boss like that, a teacher like that, uh, that, that had, their, had their class favorite or had their favorite employee. Um, and, 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 and Ryan, man, he, would, he, he, he was not a perfect employee. He would come in and he, man, he would do stuff wrong. He would cut corners. He would uh, he'd eat food. Out of like the, they had like a candy bin that he, he'd eat out of, and I, I'd be the one to get blamed. Uh, he'd come in, man, literally high, like eyes bloodshot, uh, and, and, she, and she, she would think that I'd be the one on drugs, right? So if you get the picture here, uh, you know, she'd you know, bias against me. If I'm asking for, for time off, if I say, hey, I need, I need a night off, um, I, this is when I was starting to get involved with Chi Alpha. I said, hey, Chi Alpha meets at night. Uh, is there a way we can change my schedule where I'm off on Thursday night so I can go to Chi Alpha? No. No, that's not happening. Um, and so, so it was tough. Eventually, you know, I didn't stay with that, I didn't stay with that job. Uh, uh, um, and it ended up ended up transferring out of there, uh, but, but yeah. So so I was definitely on the on the negative receiving end of favoritism there. Everyone you guys have experienced that, man, to some degree. That that example is pretty humorous. I can look back and laugh on it. Uh, and man, other examples are look back and you, and you wince because it's painful. And times times people have been been prejudiced against you. Times people had treated you unfairly, unjustly, um, just because for whatever reason, because they didn't didn't like you. Because uh, of your, your culture, your social background, your economic status, the color of your skin, your nationality, uh, where, where someone's treated you unfairly just because of who you are and because they didn't like it. Um, and, and, and that's, man, man, the world is that way. The world is that way because the world is broken and corrupted by sin. The human heart uh, is, is bent towards prejudice and favoritism and injustice. Um, but as Christians, as Christians who are having our hearts transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, there can be. Absolutely no place for prejudice and favoritism in our hearts. Amen? And so tonight we're going to continue uh, in this series we started two weeks ago, um, studying the book of James, which we read, read just a second ago. Uh, we're calling the series Authentic Faith, and we're exploring what the New Testament letter of James teaches us about the way that our faith should impact the way we live our day-to-day lives. A lot of people, a lot of people talk about faith. A lot of people talk about having faith in God. A lot of people talk about knowing God. And you guys may have classmates, people you run into, people you hang out with that, that talk about faith in God, but you see that absolutely nowhere in their life. Their day-to-day life looks exactly like everyone else's day-to-day life. There's nothing different about them, nothing different about how they treat people. Um, and, and so James would say that is absolutely ridiculous. That If you're talking about having faith in God, if you're talking about having a relationship with God through Jesus, uh, you should see that in the person's life. It should affect the way they live the way they speak, the way they think, their attitudes. Um, every part of their life should be impacted by this relationship they have with God. And so, so the letter of James is super practical, uh, real-life stuff, everyday stuff. How should your faith in God affect how you live? How should your relationship with God 
affect how you live. If your heart is being transformed by the love of Jesus, your life should look different. It should look like this. And James says, man, there, uh, well, in the passage we're looking at tonight, there should be, there should be no favoritism. And you should treat people fairly, justly. That favoritism of any kind is injustice. Favoritism is injustice. So we talked, uh, the first week we kicked it off about how God helps us to navigate through the difficulties and trials of life. Last week, uh, Jackie talked about how we deal with temptation and how we can trust in the unchanging nature of God. And if you guys want to go back and listen to those, uh, those available online. Um, and, uh, and, and really, really good stuff. But tonight we're, we're honing in on, on chapter 2. Uh, picking up in James chapter 2 is he's addressing a problem that he notices among the believers. Uh, and, and so the believers at this time have been scattered throughout the world. He's writing to, to Christians, mostly Jewish Christians, scattered throughout the world. Uh, and he notices this prejudice, this favoritism going on in them. Uh, and again, that's very much a problem we still have 2,000 years later. 2,000 years later, you would think that we'd gotten over prejudice. You would think that we'd gotten over racism. Think that we'd gotten over classism. But, man, it feels like we've made in 2,000 years almost no progress at all. Some things are better, but, man, there's still a long way to go. There's still a lot of, of healing needed. There's still uh, a lot of change needed. And, and the plan of God, the plan of the Lord is that we as Christians would be that change. We would be that change. We would be the, that, man, the instruments of God's mercy and grace and love in this world. Um, and, and loving the people around us, transforming our communities, transforming our cultures from the inside out, leading people into relationships with God so God can change their hearts, deal with their personal prejudices, uh, and, and, and it should be a ripple effect outward. God wants to use us in that way. So as we, as we pick up in verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 again. It should be up there. Uh, if you didn't have your Bible, it should be up there on the screen. But James chapter 2, verse 1. So my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? If you favor some people over others, how can you claim to be a Christian? How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? And like I said, in many areas of life, it is natural to have favorites, right? It's natural to have a favorite sports team. Brandon loves the Cowboys, right? It's natural to have a favorite, a favorite team, a favorite color. Mine's navy blue, right? Uh, it's natural to have a favorite food, you know? And, 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 and you're, you're going to be drawn to things that you like more than others. That's, that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about that, that, that having favorite things or teams or favorite, a favorite superhero or a favorite, I don't know, musical group. That, that, that's, that that's wrong. That's not the kind of favoritism we're talking about. And, and even favoritism towards certain people is natural. Man, you're going to have... A best friend. You're going to have, have friends that you're closer to and other friends that you're not as close to. And there's a million different reasons you know, for that. Uh, similar sense of humors will draw you to people. Uh, similar life experiences will draw you to people. I mean, you go through something together. You go on a trip with somebody and you maybe weren't close at the start of it. But by the end of it, y'all are best friends. I may have experienced that. Uh, and so there's all kinds of things that bind you to, to other people. And there may be people you prefer to spend your time with. And that's not wrong. That's not sinful. Right? So I mean, someday y'all will have a spouse, right? And you're going to prefer to spend time with that spouse to, to anyone else on the planet. They're your favorite human being. That's why you marry them. Uh, that's not wrong. That's not wrong. When it becomes a problem, when it becomes a problem is when these preferences cause us to treat other people unfairly. When these preferences cause us to treat other people unjustly, then it's wrong. Then it's a sin. 
You know, I'm going to have people that I like to hang out with, and I'm going to have other people that I'm going to love them and be kind to them, um, but, but I may not prefer to hang out with them quite the same or in the same way, do the same things with them, uh, but, but that, that's not a cause for me to, to treat them unfairly, unjustly. Favoritism, that, and, and then we're talking about favoritism, that's what we mean, treating people uh, unjustly because of your partiality, because of your preference. You picture, picture a judge, uh, the, the, the two people, and they, they commit the same crime, um, and one gets a steeper sentence, and one gets a lighter sentence because of that judge's personal preference. Is that justice? No. Do we see that happen in the world? Yeah. You guys can, your brain can probably automatically go to recent current event examples of that very thing. Um, and, and the Bible says that's a sin. That if your personal preference is causing you to not mete out the same degree of justice to everyone, treating every person the same, then that's wrong. So you, you've got a best friend, but you should love your best friend, treat your best friend with the same kindness and respect. Or let me flip that. You should treat the stranger, uh, just, just, just the person you don't know well, with all the kindness, love, and respect that you treat your best friend. You're not going to have as much in common. There's not going to be as much shared experience there, but... but you do not treat, uh, treat, treat one unjustly and, and, and show special benefits uh, to the other. That, that, that's, where we get, that's where we get it wrong. That's where we get into prejudice and sin. Favoritism is ungodly. It's the exact opposite of God's character. If you were to, if you're to, to do a list of adjectives to describe God, man, you, 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 you would, I guess you could list adjectives forever and probably, and probably never exhaust them, but uh, one that would definitely be on that list is God is just and God is fair. God is just, and he does not show favoritism. That means he treats each and every one of us the same. He treats each and every one of us the same. God's not a a respecter of persons. God does not show favoritism. Look at this verse in Acts chapter 10. This is Peter. Peter comes to this realization. He says, Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34, God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts anyone who fears him and does what is right. You know, throughout, throughout history, God had had a chosen people, the, the, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people uh, that, that he blessed. And, and we looked at this early in the semester with God's, uh, God's plan, God's strategy at work throughout the Old Testament was to take a group of people to love them and bless them like crazy. Again, not, not as a special favoritism to them, but that all the world would come to know God, uh, that they say, hey, I want to know the God that's blessed his people like crazy. The, the, these idols I worship, uh, man, they don't do anything for me, but we see the God of Israel is really God, and so that all people would come to know him and worship him. And that for all of those that do come to know him and worship him, he treats them fairly. He, he doesn't treat the, the Jewish person uh, different than he treats the non-Jewish person that comes to him in, in humility and repentance and says, I want to serve you, I want to live right. You know, Peter says that God accepts anyone who fears him, who submits himself to him as Lord and does what is right. That God's going to treat all of those people the same. And when we look at the world, we, it seems like, God, God, it looks like you've blessed these people over here and you've not blessed those people over there. Um, and again, uh, when, when, what we see on the surface isn't all there is. Um, external, external blessings and riches and wealth is not all there is. Uh, that's not the only standard. A person can be rich and wealthy, uh, but man, they, they trade lives with you for a minute because there's heartache, there's broken relationships there, uh, strange marriages, strange relationships with kids. Um, money can't, can't buy happiness. It doesn't make everything perfect and okay. Uh, and, and, and another thing is that, that wealth is fleeting and something, something we pick up on later in, in James. In James chapter 5, it talks about the fleetingness uh, of wealth. You can't hold on to it. You can't take it with you. And that we shouldn't assume just because a person is financially blessed 
uh, that the, the God's blessed them and not the poor person. In fact, Jesus pronounces lots of blessings on the poor. Um, it, says, it, says, it, says, it says the poor are blessed. It's going to be easier for them to turn to God because they realize their great need. Say, God, I can't make it through life on my own. I need you. And he says it's actually more difficult for the rich person to come to God. The rich, the successful, the powerful person, it's often difficult for them to even turn to God because they're self-reliant. They say, man, I can do it with my own money. I can do it with my own power, my own influence, my own popularity will get me where I want to go. Why do I need the Lord? Because it's hard for the rich man. And don't, don't, just, don't just write off, well, rich people are blessed and poor people aren't. That's unscriptural. That's unbiblical. And maybe the poor man's more blessed, has a better relationship with God than the rich man. Right? That's what, that's what we're talking about here. And so uh, what we tend to do instead, though, we tend to show special favoritism uh, and special, uh, special treatment to certain people uh, and not others. We flatter those that we like, and we make relationships, friendships with people we think can benefit us. People that we think will make our life better or that we'll look better next to or people that are financially uh, doing well and we think maybe, maybe they'll take us out for some McDonald's or something. Um, we, talk, we talked at the retreat. I, I didn't talk. Belkis talked at the retreat. Uh, those of you guys that went on, on, on the retreat um, last month, two months ago, um, talk about how, how we as consumers. So, so in Western culture, American culture is a consumer culture. Uh, we consume goods and services and products and entertainment, and, and we buy and we receive a product. And the, the, this consumer mentality even affects the way we relate to one another, uh, that we treat people like consumer items. We treat our relationships as a consumer would. What can I get out of this relationship? Not just I mean, having a friendship with Everett because he's, he's a good guy and, and God made him and he's special and I want to know him and I want to I love him and, and be kind to him and and I value him as a human being, but instead I approach him and say, what do I get out of this? You know, how, how does the time I spend with him make my life better? Or what can he do for me, right? Does he have a truck so he can help me move <laughs> when I need to move out of the dorm? You know, does he, does, he have, does he have a little bit of money? Maybe he'll treat me for lunch if I treat him. Uh, you know, the, it's that kind of thing. We, we look at people, and, and it's maybe way in the subconscious. We may not even realize we do it, uh, but as consumers, we, we use people. We use people. We, we befriend the people we think are going to benefit us, going to help us. And when's the last time we reached out to someone uh, that couldn't do anything for us? Uh, last time we befriended and really loved on someone, uh, and it's not going to, it's not going to can't, can't repay us at all, can't do anything for us, isn't going to raise our social status, can't take us out to lunch, can't repay us if we treat them, um, couldn't if they wanted to, uh, isn't cool, maybe it's a little awkward. Um, Man, when's the last time that we, we, we friended someone like that? But James says that, 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 that how can we say that we have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ if we favor some people over others? And he gives us a super clear illustration in the next couple of verses. He paints a picture. He says, for example, verse 2, Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this kind of discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? If you, if you suck up to the, the rich person, the successful person, the popular person, and you snub your nose at the person that's obviously not as well off, it shows your motives aren't right. Because there's something about that rich person, that popular person that's drawn you to them. You want to treat them better because maybe, maybe they'll befriend you. Maybe that'll bring you a little up the social ladder. Maybe, maybe they'll be able to bless you, help you. 
and, and, and we turn our nose at the person who can't do anything for us, man, our, that reveals our hearts, reveals our motives, reveals uh, what, what's wrong in us. Uh, Kalfa example. Let's say we're, we're having a Kalfa meeting, and two folks walk in. <clears throat> One guy walks in, and he, man, he's decked out in fancy clothes. He's got the fanciest, nicest, what jacket? What kind of jacket? Dress him for me. Nike leather jacket. And he's got the fanciest, fanciest Ray-Bans on. And he's got, he's got... Yeah, he's got, he's got like a $500 outfit, right? He's got like a, a nice, I mean, he's got a nice watch. He's got, he's got necklaces. He's, he's decked out. Um, and, and not only that, man, he, he's cool. He's smooth. He says all the right things, and everybody's laughing every time he opens his mouth. Uh, he's got 18 kajillion followers on Instagram, um, and he, he's, just, he's just the coolest guy, and you're like, wow, this guy came, Kalfa, man, I want to introduce myself to him, I want to go shake hands with him, uh, man, I offer him to sit next to me, uh, I want to know this guy, I want this guy in my life, um, and someone else walks in, uh, just a minute after him, right, guy walks in, and man, he, he's dirty. Uh, we're going to benefit the doubt that he just came from working out or something because he's dirty and he smells, he stinks. Uh, there's, there's B.O. there, his clothes. Man, it looks like he's not changed his shirt probably in three, four days. And there's food stains on it. Man, he, he, it's difficult for him to speak. Maybe, maybe he has a stutter. Maybe he, it's, he's not a good communicator. He's not good at sharing his feelings. He's a little bit awkward, right? Man, one shoe's untied. Some, you know, he, he comes in, he's not the person that you're like, man, I'm just magnetically drawn to this person. Um, he says, you're going to have these two kind of people walk into your life. Uh, and to one, you're like, hey, hey, come sit by me. Hey, come and get involved. And the other, the other you're like, you know, you just kind of kind of show. Hey, you, can, you can sit on the floor. You can sit, sit somewhere else. Or, hey, hey welcome to Kalfa. And then, but, but you're not talking to them. You're not loving on them. They don't feel welcome. They don't leave that meeting thinking, man, these people really love and care about me. Um, and he says, when, when we treat people differently in this kind of way, um, it doesn't reveal anything about the people. It reveals something about us, our hearts. Um, it reveals uh, man, evil motives in our heart. Uh, and so I just want you kind of to think for yourself, why is it that we treat some people better than others? Why is it that we treat attractive, well-spoken, wealthy people better than poor, awkward people, right? Why, why, why do some people get, get better treatment uh, than others? And, and, and part of it, again, is, is that, that, that we use people. We look at how this person can benefit us. But I want you to think about it this way. If we truly trust the Lord to take care of us, if we truly trust the Lord is going to provide for us, God is going to open doors for us, God is going to promote us, uh, God's going to want, be the one that supplies our financial needs, our physical needs, then we're not going to feel the need to bend over backwards to impress the rich and the powerful uh, and try to court their favor. Um, and we can instead man, see all people the way God does, right? That, that, that I don't need to, to, to be friends with a millionaire hoping, hoping I'll get a little bit of that, right? Because God's, God's got me. God's going to provide. So I can treat the millionaire the same way I can treat the one in air and be, because I know, I know that God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me. Um, God's going God's to promote me to the position he wants me to be at. Uh, where I can influence the people he wants me to influence for, for his kingdom and his glory, and I don't need to rub shoulders with the popular people to get there, right? I mean, you can look through the Bible, biblical examples of God promoting people, God elevating people, 
uh, and it wasn't through, wasn't through rubbing shoulders with all the right people. I think about Joseph, uh, who, who got, got um, falsely accused and thrown in a dungeon, right? He wasn't, he wasn't rubbing shoulders with governors uh, and important officials in Egypt and rubbing, rubbing shoulders with the Pharaoh. He was hanging out with other prisoners in the dungeon, uh, and he was making friends with them and helping them out. Um, and, and God promoted him to be the governor of all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, second only to the king. Um, and God's going to promote you. And you don't, you don't have to bend over backwards to impress all the popular and successful people. You don't have to treat them differently than you treat, treat the poor or, or treat the awkward or treat the, the unpopular people. You can treat everyone the same because God's got you. It reveals your trust in God. It reveals your faith in God, how you treat people. If you love everyone the same, that says something about how you trust God to take care of you. You trust God uh, to, to, to do for you, and you don't need to, to impress other people. Uh, you don't need to court the favor of the rich and the powerful in this world to, to, to make you more successful. In the early days of the church, in the early days of that, that first, second century church, when the family would come together, the household would come together to have communion, to share the communion meal together, to remember uh, the Last Supper of Jesus, remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, um, and, and celebrate that together. The head of the household, you know, the master of the house, would personally humble himself and serve communion uh, to the servants of the house to show that uh, all of us are equal before the Lord. All of us are equal before the Lord. That'd be a way that they could demonstrate that. That, that even though I'm, I'm the servant in the house, maybe I'm the, I'm the guy in charge uh, of the house, I'm going to humble myself and serve communion to my family, to my children, uh, to my servants, to show that, man, when it, at God's table, we're all equal. In God's sight, we are all the same. There's not, there's not master and servant. There's, not, there's not, not rich and poor. Man, we all come to God. We're all, we all come to God on equal footing, on the same level. Uh, God does not show favoritism. We can't show favoritism either. When we show favoritism, we judge other people in a way that God forbids. We're showing that you as a person are worthy of more love and respect and honor than this person over here. Uh, That that you are more worthy of of my attention, of special treatment, of special favors. Um, And and we're making a judgment on that person's life uh, that God forbids. And God forbids us us making judgments in that kind of way. Uh, Jesus commands us not to judge or else what? will be judged. Yeah, he says we shouldn't judge other people in that way. Um, we shouldn't make that kind of judgment. This, this person uh, should, should, should get extra, extra favor, special treatment, uh, whereas this person is not worthy of that. That's not your call to make, right? And God, God says, man, every single one of you I considered worthy. It's in my own son to die, right? Every single one of you I considered worthy to, to, to love and to draw into a relationship with me. Continue on in verse 5. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? James is pointing out how ridiculous it is. Um, You know, you, you dishonor the poor. You treat the poor badly. And, and you treat the rich, you flatter the rich, you try to suck up to the rich when they're the ones who treat you bad. Man, they're the ones that sue you, drag you into court. They're the ones that oppress you. They're the ones that jack up prices. Right? They're, they're the ones that, 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 that oppress the people. Um, and they're the ones we're sucking up to and flattering. Uh, he says, he says they're, they're not any kind of people to flatter, right? He says, these are the people 
and, and the, 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 the popular, secular people, the people in the world uh, that, that have power and influence, uh, a lot of times, man, their lives are not pleasing to Jesus. And they're, they're the ones slandering the name of Jesus. Uh, those are the kind of people you want to rub shoulders with? Those are the kind of people you want to be like or, or get their favor or get their approval? James said, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's not the approval you're looking for. And as a Christian, you only, only one person's approval matters, right? What does God think of me? Is God pleased with my life? Is God happy when he looks at my life, when he looks at my heart, looks at my day? And when I put my head on the pillow and I'm thinking back on the last, last 12 hours, is God pleased? Because if no one else is, but God's pleased, then I'm good, right? If no one else is happy with me, no one else likes me, but I please the Lord, end of the day, that's all that matters. And we live for an audience of one. God's opinion at the end of the day is the only one that matters. Is God pleased with you? Is God pleased with how you're living? Maybe you didn't make a lot of friends because you made some tough decisions. And you, 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 didn't, you didn't go with the in crowd. You didn't give in to temptation. You didn't, didn't follow along with this sin. Everyone else was doing this thing. And you said, man, I know, I, know, I know God would not want me to do that. Uh, you lose some friends. You lose popularity. But if God is pleased, it doesn't matter. He said, man, don't, don't waste your time. Uh, man, man, trying to get the approval of people that, that oppress others, that are, that, that are prejudiced towards others, that slander the name of Jesus with their words and how they live. And that, that's not, not the kind of approval you should be chasing after. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. And still, still love those people. And we still treat those people with respect and dignity too. And, but but, but don't, don't bend over backwards, break your back trying to impress those people and live for their approval, right? Only Jesus' approval matters. For those that are wealthy and successful and popular, it's often difficult for them to come to God, like I said, because they trust their own wealth. They trust their own fame and ability. When we take advantage of the poor, uh, we slander the name of Jesus. When we, when we uh, man, treat, treat people that are financially less than us, socially less than us, um, in, in any kind of way, maybe down that, down that ladder from us, when we oppress them, when we treat them unfairly, treat, treat them unjustly, or slandering the name of Jesus, because that, that's a human being, end of the day. That's a human being that, that God made, that Jesus loves and died for, someone made in God's image. Uh, and we need to treat them with dignity and respect and honor, um, like someone that God, God made and God loves. When we take advantage of the poor, Jesus takes it personally. And Jesus said in the Gospels, uh, whatever you, you do to the least of these, or whatever you don't do to the least of these, it's like you did it to me, or like you didn't do it to me. I take it personal. And when you, when you offer a cup of cold water, when you offer food, when you, when you give clothes to someone that needs clothes, when you visit someone who's sick, when you visit someone who's in prison, it's like you did it unto me. <clears throat> and then when you don't, show, show that kindness, show that love to the people around you. When you don't uh, help someone who's in need when you can, Jesus says, it's like you didn't help me. You know, and, and Jesus is, is teaching that, he's sharing that. Uh, and, and the people are shocked. People are shocked. And, 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 uh, and Jesus says, man, I, I take it personal. I take it personal. When you treat the least of these, and you can figure out what the least of these is in your culture, in your, in your circle of people that you come in contact with each day. When you treat the least of these poorly, you've treated Jesus poorly. He says, I take it personal. And, and, and the other pendulum swing of that is when you bless the poor, when you care for the least of these, when, when, when you sacrifice to enrich their lives, uh, to make their lives better, Jesus says, it's like you did it to me. And you buy a meal for someone that can never pay you back, it's like you bought Jesus. Like you bought Jesus a quesadilla and a Pepsi, right? 
when you when you man when you when you uh, I mean, give give a friend a ride. A friend doesn't have a car. They say, man, I need to get to the store, but I don't have a car, uh, and I can't even help with gas. Honestly, I'm in a really bad situation. Like, man, I got you. Let's go. We're gonna go Walmart right now. And it's like you gave Jesus a ride to Walmart when he needed it. Jesus takes it personally. He says, when you do it for the least of these, I take it personally. And when you don't do it for the least of these, when when our lives are are, are self-absorbed, inward-focused, prideful, and, and we don't deem certain people worthy of our, our love uh, and, and, and special favor, uh, Jesus says, it's like you didn't do it to me. It's like you just walked right past me, like you neglected me. Jesus takes it personal. We tend to judge the, the least of these, the poor, as not being blessed by God. We see the rich person like they're blessed, like they've received some kind of special favor for God. Like I said earlier, that's unscriptural. God blesses the rich and the poor in different ways. And the blessings, the wealth of this life, man, it's quick to fade. And it's here one minute and then it's gone. And you certainly can't take it with you. Uh, let's say you get the biggest, fanciest house on the street. You get the nicest car. Uh, you get the, you, with the, it's got the convertible and it's got all four wheels and it goes fast. And people, when you drive by, people are like, man, that's a nice car. Um, <laughs> End of the day, when you're 70, 80, 90 years is up, uh, the car's not coming with you. The house isn't coming with you. The fat bank account isn't coming with you. Uh, and all that fades. All that just goes to the next guy. I guess it all goes to the, the next guy your wife marries when you're dead. Um, he, he, he gets to enjoy your nice car, your nice house. Uh, and that's why Jesus so encourages you not to store up treasures uh, and, and on this earth, not to, not to be focused on, on stuff. Because um, it's fleeting, right? Those that appear to be blessed in this life, man, what's a blessed life is a person that has a relationship with God, that their eternity is going to be blessed because they, they get to enjoy the favor and, and closeness with God forever. Um, not to have the nicest stuff on this earth, but then be separated from God forever. No, that's terrible. That's terrible. Um, continuing in verse 8, he says, Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal Law found in Scripture is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. We must treat all people with dignity and respect. Every race, every culture, every social background, every economic status, every nationality, everyone is made in the image of God. Uh, Everyone is someone that God loves, that Christ died for, and everyone is your neighbor. Uh, and, and we should love them. Calls it the royal law. Because it's the king made it, right? The royal law. Uh, and it says if you favor some over others, you've broken that law. You're guilty of breaking that law. The law of the land, the law in God's kingdom, is love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people like crazy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not seeing a single person. Um, when they were hungry and they really wanted to eat some food, and didn't do something about it, right? Uh, people sometimes go hungry on purpose for different reasons but, but someone that's not doing that they're not fasting, they're hungry and they need to get some food and, and, and if there's a chance for them to, to feed themselves and they do it uh, and if you've got and you, you break your arm you're not, oh it'll be fine, I'm just going to ignore it no, they probably, probably go to the doctor, probably get that t- checked out and you cut your hand open, you're probably going to get a band-aid you take care of yourself, right? Uh, and you find the time to take care of yourself uh, if other stuff's got to slip, you, you, you figure out a way to make sure, make sure your, your needs are met at the end of the day. Um, Jesus says, love other people like that. And treat their needs like it's your need. 
Treat their broken arm like it's your broken arm, right? Uh, treat their, their financial difficulty like it's yours. Um, and love other people in that kind of way. That's the law of the land. Love people well. Love people well. If you love God with all your heart and you love the people around you well, everything else is going to take care of itself. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about, about anything else because that, that's going to satisfy it. But he says favoritism, prejudice, violates those specific laws that God's given that we love our neighbor, that we treat others fairly and justly. <clears throat> Continuing on in verse 10, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is guilty as the person who's broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've still broken the law. We don't get to choose, pick and choose uh, what laws to obey. If you break one law, uh, man, he says it's like you've, you've broken them all. If you break one, it's like you've broken them all, especially man, when, it, when it comes, comes to showing favoritism, showing prejudice, not loving people. Um, if you were to go rob the bank, if you were to go down the street and, and rob First Tennessee, say, give me all your money, you rob the bank, uh, you get arrested, you get taken before the judge, and you say, hey, yes, I robbed the bank, I know that's against the law, but I didn't murder anybody, I didn't speed on the way there, um, I obeyed this law, I obeyed that law, I obeyed that law, all I did was rob the bank. It doesn't matter. If you break one law, you broke the law, right? You're going, you're going to jail. There are going to be consequences if you break the law. Um, in the same way, we don't get to pick and choose the laws of God we obey. Uh, we don't get to treat other people unfairly, unjustly, and say, well, God, I obeyed all your other laws. I didn't murder anybody today. I didn't steal anything today. Um, you know, I, I didn't sleep with anybody that's not my wife today. I didn't, do, I didn't look at all these laws that I obeyed. Uh, I didn't love my neighbor. No, I didn't do that. But I did everything else. We don't get to treat other people that way and still think we're righteous. And we don't get to, to discriminate against others, show favoritism towards others, and still think we're, we're righteous, we're holy. He says, no, if you, if you break one of the laws, uh, you're a lawbreaker. And you might as well have broken them all. Um, so, so, so don't think that you can be, be super holy and, and then treat other people like they're dirt, like they don't, they don't have value, like they're not important. Um, we don't get to ch- pick and choose what laws to obey. We don't get to, to treat people unfairly just because they're different than us. Just because, oh, I don't like them as much. Um, says so that's not right. Verse 12, so whatever you say and whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. This is both uh, sobering and encouraging. Sobering when we don't show mercy, we can't expect to receive mercy. But if we've been merciful, if we've been just, if we've been loving, we can expect to receive mercy and justice from God. That's encouraging. And as Jesus says in the Gospels, by the same measure you use, it's going to be used back to you. So if you're quick to show grace, quick to forgive, quick to show mercy, quick to bless, uh, bless other people, man, God's going to be kind to you in that same kind of way. God's going to be merciful towards you. God's going to be generous with you. If you are not that way with other people, God says, I'm not going to be that way with you. If, if you're one of those kind of people that, that's hard, that's tough, man, I have no mercy towards anybody. Uh, when, you, when you show up before the Lord, man, don't expect to receive mercy yourself. God says, however you, however you did for other people, that's how it's going to be to you. That's how you're going to be judged. It says, if you've been merciful, God's going to be merciful when he judges you. Um, every single one of us needs mercy. There's not a perfect one of us on the planet. Uh, man, myself, myself included, right? 
uh, I, I need mercy from the Lord. I need grace from the Lord. Uh, and and so, so I, I don't get to withhold grace from others. If God's been gracious to me, I need to be gracious to others. And all the, the huge debt of sin that God's forgiven in me, and how can I not forgive others? How can I not be quick to show grace and mercy to other people? Um, man, man, God, God loved me and showed me favor uh, when, when uh, there's nothing lovely about me, nothing about me that he should want to adopt me uh, as a son. Um, you know, he, he showed that, that love to me. How can I not love other people or deem that certain people are unworthy of love because of whatever, whatever made up standard in my own heart, in my own head? Has God shown mercy to us? Has God, God shown mercy to you? Yes. Yes. When we, and the Bible said that we were, we were rebels, we were enemies of God, um, estranged from God. Uh, God, didn't, God didn't see us in all, oh, man, they're so cute. They're so precious. I love them. I'm going to adopt them into my family. You know, like sometimes we think like, oh, we're this special person and we didn't. That's why God loves us because I'm, I'm, I'm cool, right? I'm, I'm sweet. Like we see a little baby and like, oh, they're so cute. I'd adopt them, right? Uh, we were at a pastor's conference this week and, and there's a little baby Mia. Um, and she was adorable. And sometimes we see like a little, little baby, little toddler and be like, man, they are so cute. I'd adopt them right now, right? Like, like they're, they're, they can come to my house. Um, or you see a puppy, or you see a kitten, or we saw, we saw a picture of a baby hippopotamus at the Memphis Zoo, uh, and then saw, Googled pictures of people cuddling with baby hippos. And so we see things, we think, oh man, that is worthy of my love, I want this in my life. Um, and it, but but that, man, that's not how it was with us and God. Um, we, we were not so cute, the guy's like, oh, I gotta have that, I gotta have a mat. Man, he, he's so special. That's not the kind of language the Bible uses to describe us. Man, we were rebels, we were enemies. And picture two kingdoms at war. That's the picture the Bible paints. You've got the kingdom of heaven. You've got the kingdom of darkness. And they're at war. And we were born man, into sin, born into rebellion. We were born on the wrong side of the tracks, born an enemy of God. Our, our heart, our will was contrary to the things of God. If God wanted something, we wanted the opposite. And if God wanted love, man, we're going to run in the other direction. And that, that's what our lives look looked like. And, and the Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, rebels, estranged from God, that's when God chose to love us. That's when Jesus died for us, while we were still sinners. That's when God made a way for us. That's when God decided to adopt you as a son, as a daughter. Uh, and when there was nothing lovely about me, no reason he should want to adopt me, he said, I want you. I want to make you mine. I want to make you my son. I want to make you my daughter. I want to give you a room in my house. I want to give you a seat at my table. Um, I want to be yours and you be mine forever. Um, and he initiated the relationship. He loved us first. He showed us grace. He showed us mercy. Even though, man, we'd, we'd sinned against him so much. We've been so prideful. We've been so selfish. We've done, man, man, every secret hidden thing that we're ashamed of. God saw all of that and said, no, I still love you. I still love you just as you are. He sent his son Jesus into the world to, to, to die on a cross, to take the punishment we deserve for all we've done wrong. So instead, he could show us grace and mercy, that sin in us doesn't need to be punished anymore. It can be washed away by the blood of Jesus. We can get a fresh start. We can be made brand new because God loves us, because God was merciful to us when we didn't deserve it, because God is gracious to us when we didn't deserve it. <clears throat> if anybody knows what it is to be treated unfairly, it's Jesus. If anyone knows what it is to be treated unjustly, it's Jesus. And, and Jesus walked the earth, and he never did a single thing wrong. He never sinned. He was tempted to sin, but he never gave in. He never did it. Never sinned. But man, he was arrested, and he was accused. Uh, and, and as they accused him, man, he just stood there silent. He just took it. 
Um, he had a ridiculous trial, a ridiculous trial. You guys think some of the trials, man, we see uh, on TV are ridiculous. Man, Jesus' trial, uh, it was a circus, right? He was not treated fairly at all. He was, he was lied about. He was accused. Um, and he got, the, he got the death sentence. He got sentenced to death. Um, the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before, before Jesus stepped into human history, the prophet Isaiah is prophesying about his life. He's prophesying about the Messiah that God would send into the world to save us. It's Isaiah 53. This will be our last verse tonight. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. This is Jesus prophesying about the... Or I'm sorry, this is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah that God would send into the world to save us. It says in verse 4, Surely he took up our pain... And bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah is saying, you know, kind of, kind of, he's seeing what's going to happen to the Messiah. He says, the Messiah is going to suffer. Right? He's going he's gonna to suffer, he's going to be abused, he's going to be treated badly, but the people around him are going to think he deserves that. You know, he, he, must, he must be a sinner. That, that's why he's being whipped and beaten and, and put to death. That's why he's so afflicted. He must be being punished by God. And that is what the people at the time thought. They thought Jesus was, was a blasphemer, claiming to be equal with God. Who can say that, man? Put this man to death. Crucify him. Crucify him. And when they saw, when they saw Jesus hanging there on the cross, they thought, man, now justice is being done. He deserved it, right? Now justice is being done. And when we look at people in the world, we see people in different socioeconomic strata. We think, man, they, they deserve where they're at. They deserve where they're at. By, by their hard work, that's why they're so successful. They're, they're lazy. That's, that's where they're down. They deserve where they're at. Um, that's not how it is. That's not how it always is. But the people of Jesus' time said, yeah, Jesus deserved that. That's why he's there. But he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he was there because he loves you. He was on that cross because he loves you. Because, because like the song we sang about, he didn't want heaven without you. And so he was willing to go to the cross to die for us, to die for me, to die for you, so that we could have a relationship with God. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. It was his sin uh, that, that he received. It was our sin that caused him to receive that punishment, not anything that he had done wrong. Um, so when we, think about, when we think about how we treat other people, we think about how, man, our trust in Jesus should affect the way we live. Um, we think about the great mercy that God's shown us, the great love and kindness that God's shown us. How can we not love other people? How can we not show grace and kindness and mercy to other people? Amen? Um, and so I, I just, I guess, I want you to meditate on that this weekend and, um, and this next week. Just ask Holy Spirit to search your heart. What are the prejudices in my own heart? We all have them. And some of us are better than others. We're all a work in progress. But and we've, we've all got some kind of prejudice that we need the Holy Spirit to work on to help us with. Um, some, some areas of favoritism. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe it's different people of different social you know, statuses, people of different financial statuses, people of different races, people of different nationalities. Uh, that, 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 man, we show, we show favoritism for or against these certain people. Um, God wants to deal with that in us. And He wants to change our hearts. We're able to see people the way He sees them. We're able to love people the way he loves them. Amen? Uh, and, and if we can be that kind of people that loves people in that kind of way, um, people are going to be interested in, in the God that you worship. 
And the very first verse, you know, talks about it all being because of our faith in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to want to know about the Jesus that you worship uh, when they see how you treat other people. They're going to be interested in hearing your story um, when they see the way you love people, right? It makes the gospel attractive. Um, it makes Jesus, uh, it glorifies Jesus when we love other people that way, when we don't show favoritism, we don't discriminate, but we love, we love people and we treat people uh, with respect. We treat people equally. We treat people justly. Amen. I'm going to pray and just, just ask the Lord to, to work on our hearts, mine included. Uh, Father God, again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for being willing to suffer and die for me, Jesus. Uh, that when I was estranged from you, when I was far from God, uh, that you loved me enough to make a way uh, to draw me back to yourself. And, God, and anyone that, here tonight that is maybe just far from God, um, maybe their relationship with God is not what it once was, or they're not, they're not as close with God as they know they should be. I pray they just feel that tug on their hearts of the great love of God, of the great grace of God. The grace... Uh, it's like an ocean that we can't exhaust it. It doesn't matter what we've done wrong. If we confess that to God, God's faithful and just to forgive it, to cleanse us, to make us new every time. We can't sin so bad that God can't still forgive us. We can't exhaust all of God's mercy. We're never going to hear from you, God. Nope, you messed up too many times. You're done. You're cut off. Your mercy is new every single morning. Every single day, new mercy, new grace. God, you're so gracious to us. You're so patient to us. For those that feel far away tonight, God, I pray that you draw them close to you. Draw them close to you by your love, by your mercy. God, forgive them and cleanse them. Give them a heart to want to follow you, want to please you. God, I pray that we'd want to live our lives, God, not to impress the people around us, not to court the favor of the people around us, but we'd live our lives to please you, live lives that would honor you, God, and the way that we treat other people, God. God, deal with our hearts. Deal with those hidden prejudices. Deal with the favoritism, stuff maybe we don't even see. Holy Spirit, would you put your finger on it, God? Deal with favoritism in me. Show me the places that I'm unfair to people. That I don't treat people like you would, Jesus. I don't love people like you would. Help me to do better. 